it is springtime and that is my favorite time of year in case I haven't told you before but I probably have well we've planted two tomato plants in pots and we've planted many flowers around the house and we're still going to be planting more I talked to a man the other day that said they had 13,000 seeds that they were going to plant that's a lot of seeds now, I'm really not sure how he knew they had 13,000 because when you buy a packet of seeds, it just gives you the weight on there and, you know, in grams usually. It doesn't say there's 76 seeds in this packet or 152 or whatever it might be. So I'm not sure where he came up with that number. But anyways, we have a good friend that... Um, started out with one greenhouse in his backyard and then he ended up with I think four and is no longer in business but he was in the business of raising plants and selling them he sold all kinds of uh, plants in the spring uh, petunias and pansies and whatever and tomato plants and pepper plants and all of those things and geraniums and and all and now some of the plants he would start from seed and some of the plants he would start from cuttings from a mature plant some uh, he would get just the seedlings and, and plant those you know and, but planting seeds and seedlings you know you've got to pay attention to what you're doing because some like lots of sun uh, you know most all of your vegetables are going to want to be right out there in the the sunshine but some of the flowers, you know, some of them like it a little more shady. Maybe some sun in the morning, but not all day long like some other plants. And some are going to grow, you know, pretty tall. And others are just going to be, you know, maybe four to six inches tall. And so you got to pay attention and make sure you put the big ones in the back if you're planting a bed and the short ones in the front. And some plants like more water than others. Uh, some of the things that we can plant are annuals. That means you got to plant them every year. You know, you got to get those petunias and plant them every year. Uh, and some are perennials, you know, maybe columbine or uh, some different daisies, plants like that, that they come up every year. And of course, we all have preference to colors. You know, you may want a really bright colored bed, uh, you may want colors that match your house or whatever. And, you know, some uh, flowers you can cut for cut flowers and bring inside. And others, eh, they just won't last very long. And, of course, roses, I think, are the most beautiful. And they come in so many different colors. But you got to watch out for those thorns. You know, God could have given us a black and white world. But he didn't. He chose instead to give us a beautifully colored world. And I know that I enjoy that. And I think he does as well. Or he'd done something different. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks for the way you made things. Just the way you wanted them to be. That you made the animals the size that they are and some animals to live in uh, different parts of the world that wouldn't survive real well in other parts. And uh, Lord, you just 
created everything perfect. And we praise you for that. And we're glad that we're a part of it. So Lord, uh, the most perfect thing you created is your word. And so as we look at your word, Father, let us see what you've got for us today. Just open our minds, open our hearts, and let your Holy Spirit speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, speaking of plants, or seedlings, or seeds, I want to see what the Bible says. Now, many of you will assume that I'll be using one parable of Jesus about the sower. Okay, so let's start with that. And we find that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And this is from the message. It says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. Some of it fell on the road. Oh, excuse me. And it was tramped down by... Oh, excuse me. It was tramped down and the birds ate it. Other seed fell in the gravel. It sprouted, but withered because it didn't have good roots. Other seed fell in the weeds. The weeds grew up with it and strangled it. Other seed fell in rich earth and produced a bumper crop. Well, and Jesus knew he was going to have to explain this. Okay, and so this is how he did it. He said, the seed, that's the word of God. And the seeds on the road are those who hear the word, but no sooner do they hear it than the devil snatches it from them, so they won't believe and be saved. The seeds in the gravel are those that hear with enthusiasm, but the enthusiasm doesn't go very deep. It's only another fad, and the moment there's trouble, it's gone. And the seed that fell in the weeds, well, these are the ones who hear, but then the seed is crowded out and, other, and nothing comes of it as they go about their lives worrying about tomorrow, making money and having fun. But the seed in the good earth, these are the good hearts who seize the word and hold on no matter what, sticking with it until there's a harvest. Okay, so in each case, the seed is the same. And God's word is always the same. Now, it varies largely, like from the King James to the message. And in between there, you've got the New American Standard Bible, the NIV, uh, Revised Standard, you know, a whole bunch of them. Uh, some of the word uh, originally was in Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic, but it's always the same. Now, you know, there's some people that are diehard King James people, and that's fine. There's some churches that, you know, advertise themselves as a King James church. And, you know, I don't have a problem with that either. Uh, because to me, there's some things in the Bible, like the 23rd Psalm, that just, just doesn't sound right in anything but the King James. So there's nothing wrong with one version compared to the other. It's what you can relate to the most. But Jesus' point in this passage is we need to be soil prepared for the seed, prepared for the word. You know, just like planting a garden. You know, the soil here in Oklahoma is really dense and it's just like clay and it needs to be loosened because some seeds, some plants, just have a hard time taking root in that kind of soil. That it's just, 
you know, their, their roots can't get in there and get a hold. Well, our hearts need to be ready for God's word. We need to be ready, willing, and able to accept it. You know, a hard heart will have a hard time accepting scripture because that hard heart will be critical and just really not want to listen or maybe thinking, oh, it's got to understand everything. You know, it's an analytical thing. You know, well, how could this be? You know, I mean, Jesus was dead and then he was alive. It was just, you know, how does that happen? And so they have a hard time being able to, to listen to the word or try to grasp any understanding of it. And, you know, there's some people that go to church for years and never really hear the word, never really hear what it is that God has to say to them. Well, let's look at another parable uh, that Jesus gave us, and this is in Matthew 13, and it's right around the same time as the, the sower parable. And this is the New Living Translation now. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. Well, the mustard seed is not the smallest seed that there is, though it may be the smallest seed used by farmers, at least at that time. You know, I, I did something that probably a lot of pastors do at one time or another. I passed out mustard seeds when I was giving a, a message on this passage. And, you know, that people could see just the size of that seed. And, you know, I think my wife still has one in her Bible. You know, a mustard plant can grow up to six and a half feet tall. Now, if you're not f familiar with how small a mustard seed is, I don't know how to explain it without you being able to see, but it's really pretty small. And that's quite a plant to grow from that small seed. And that's what Jesus was saying. So here Jesus is trying to get across how the idea of the, the kingdom of heaven at that time was just surrounding that area of Jerusalem. You know, the kingdom of heaven was pretty contained, you know, just where Jesus had been. But he knew what it was going to be growing into. That's why in Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. He knew of the places that had never been heard of by the people that he was speaking to. He knew the places in the world that were already inhabited. And so he knew what that meant. And so that seed was about to take root. Well, going to John chapter 12, Jesus is talking about the seed in a different way. Okay, John 12, 23 and 24. And this is the NIV. It says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. 
So Jesus is referring to the fact that he had to die and that he was going to be resurrected. Without his death and resurrection, he's just another good teacher. He's just another prophet. But with his death and resurrection, that was going to enable the good news to be spread because others would believe and that would produce more seeds. Okay, if Jesus hadn't died and been resurrected, you know, he would have been able to still continue to go and heal and, and speak to people. But with his death and resurrection, that got the disciples on fire to do what they were called to do. Well, now I want to take a look and see what Paul has for us in the seed category. Okay, in Corinthians is where we find a few places. So Paul's dealing with people that seem to have one foot in the world. Okay, in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, verses 2 through 4, and this is a New Living Translation. Paul says, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, well, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? Can you hear Paul's aggravation in that, the, the frustration that he's having with those that he's writing to? You know, it's kind of like he's saying, you know, when are you going to figure this out, folks? You know, you can't live like the world and be believers. It's like Jesus said in Mark 9.19. He says, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Well, Paul goes on in verses 5 through 7. He says, after all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your heart, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Okay, so Paul is giving us a different thought on what the seed can be. You know, this is something that we Christians talk about sometimes, about planting seeds. You know, that we, we talked with somebody about the Lord and, you know, we'll say, you know, well, I, I just planted the seed in this person. And that's what we're called to do. And so, you know, the results really isn't up to us. You know, we may talk to somebody about making a commitment to Jesus Christ. But, you know, when you get done and you ask him, you know, so, you know, you think you'd like to pray and, and ask Jesus to be your Savior? And they say, well, yeah, I'm, I don't know. And, I mean, I, I believe you and it all sounds really good, but, you know, I, I really don't know. Well, you know, you've, 
you've planted that seed. You know, you've given them the knowledge that they need to make a commitment. And they may later that day, you know, reflect back on what you said and say, you know, I think she was right. You know, that's what I need in my life. Or it may be a few years and they find themselves in a situation where, you know, they know they need the Lord in their life. And they think back to when you planted that seed, maybe a year ago, maybe five years ago, where it was. And so it's like Paul said, you know, one may plant the seed and another water it. And sometimes it's good to put on a little fertilizer, okay, because God makes it grow. Well, staying in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is trying to answer the questions about resurrection and what that will look like for us. And he starts out this way in verse 35 of chapter 15. It says, but someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? Now, that may sound like a legitimate question. You know, when you read that, you may say, yeah, you know, well, I can I can relate to that. Well, not to Paul. In verse 36 to 38, Paul says, what a foolish question. When you put a seed in the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. What you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you're planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Well, the seed that Paul is talking about here is our bodies. You know, when we die, we're buried. And when we're resurrected, we will have a new body. Now, all that Paul has to go on here is the first to be resurrected, Jesus Christ. Scripture doesn't tell us that Paul ever actually saw Jesus. Okay, on the road to Damascus, he heard Jesus' voice, but I'm not aware of any place where it says that he actually saw him. But I imagine the disciples and the others that had seen the resurrected Jesus told Paul all about it. You know, I mean, we were in this room, the door was locked, and bam, there was Jesus. You know, and we touched him, and he sat down, and he ate with us, and he talked with us. And then, you know, we, we saw the, the nail prints in his hands and his side and his feet. And, and so Paul was aware. Well, he goes on. In verse 42, it says, It's the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. So what he's saying is the seed that goes in comes out as something new. Okay, your body 
that dies and is buried is resurrected as something new. Well, in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he again uses seeds to make a point. This time, something different. This time he's talking about giving. Okay, in um, verses 6 through 10, New Living Translation. He says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds gets a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds are remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Okay, now I'm not turning this into a stewardship message, in case you're wondering. Okay, we're not going that direction. But here the seed is really two different things. In verse 6, I understand the seed to be our generosity. Okay, if we're planting a lot of seed into the lives of others, we will be rewarded with a generous return on that. But then in verse 10, I see, I see the seed as what God gives to us, his provision. When we see God meeting our needs abundantly and more, we should become generous, passing on the blessings that we've received from the Lord. Okay, God doesn't bless us just for us. He blesses us so we can bless someone else. And when he does that generously, we are to be generous ourselves. Okay, this last seed comes from Peter. In the first, uh, first book, first chapter. Now, Peter, he's writing to believers here. He's informing them or maybe reminding them of the blessings of being a believer. Peter is giving God all the credit for the life we have here and in eternity. In 118, Peter tells us this. This is the NIV. It says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Okay, so no, our redemption was bought with a much higher price. Okay, in verse 19, it says, With the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect. Okay, so I, or we, need to really remember what verse 20 tells us. Okay, listen up. It says, He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your namesake. Okay, Jesus' birth his life, his death, and resurrection. That wasn't a last-minute idea of God's. Okay, this was planned 
long before Adam was created, you know, before there was nothing of the earth. Well, verse 22 tells us that we've been purified because of our obedience in believing the truth. <coughs> Excuse me. Then in verses 23 to 25, it says, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are, people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Okay, we've been born of imperishable seed when we've been born again. We've been born of eternal seed. Okay, the word of the Lord endures forever, and so will we. Okay, springtime is planting time. For believers, every day, is planning time for the, the seed of the Lord and the knowledge that he's given us. God doesn't provide seed so we can hoard it and hold on to it. Now, we can look at that as monetarily, or we can look at that as, you know, the knowledge that he's given us. Okay, God doesn't want you to study his word and study his word and memorize it and know it, you know, from cover to cover and never share it with anybody. Okay, he wants that seed out there. Okay, so whether the seed or it's his provision, it's to be shared with others. Okay, you may have heard it said that Christianity is one generation away from extinction. I believe that's true. And if we don't do something, it will become true with this next generation. We need to get planting seeds and not just one here and you know, one over there, one maybe next week or next year. You know, we need to be planting abundantly for a bumper crop. I want to share the refrain to a song that I'm really blessed by. Is, oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe, and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. We need to be faithful farmers, planting that seed, not worried about who's watering it, but knowing that God is the one that's going to make it grow. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your word and how your word is, is as true today as when it was written, when you gave it to the, the writers hundreds, thousands of years ago. And that, Lord, it's something for us today. Father, we praise you for that. And Lord, I know my brothers and sisters know that. I know that they love you. I know that they know what they've been called to do, but I know sometimes it's not easy. And sometimes if we, we plant some seeds and we don't see a crop, we may get discouraged. But Lord, let us remember that if we've planted the seeds, that you're going to make it grow. We may not see it. Okay, We may never hear of that crop being harvested. 
but Lord, we know that it doesn't go out there and doesn't um, accomplish what you want it to. So, Father, we praise you for that. And Lord, I lift up anyone that may be listening that, that doesn't know you. That Lord, maybe they've had some seeds planted in them before. And maybe I had the joy of doing some watering today. And they're listening. And Lord, I know that you are ready to um, harvest that crop because you've made it grow. So Father, I just lift them up to you. And Lord, I just pray that they're ready to make the commitment that... Uh, this is the most important commitment they'll ever have, the most important relationship they'll ever have, and that's through your son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus told us that the only way to you is through him. So, Father, if they, they need to pray, let them pray like this. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. And you provided that Savior in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for his death on the cross, that he died for my sins, and he rose from the dead and is coming again. Father, help me to know that in my heart and to believe it. And Lord, to turn my life over to you. I pray all this in Jesus' precious, wonderful name. Amen. Amen.